Amen. Again tonight, it's a privilege to be here. Maybe this thing will get stronger as we go. It's a privilege to be here. I have never in many, many months enjoyed preaching as much as I've enjoyed preaching at this camp meeting. We have had ourselves a time. I had some helpers last night. Those boys were anointed boys. They got with it. And I want to say thank you. Again, thank you for the invitation. We appreciate you letting us come all the way down here to be with you and worship the Lord. I apologize tonight for my voice. I can't help it. I got to can't help it tonight. So you're just going to have to put up with me. Amen. I might not preach very long at all, but I believe tonight I have a thought from the Lord. And I want to do everything I can to instill it in your heart. Would you stand for the reading of the word of the Lord? <clears throat> Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise God. I want to go to the 10th chapter of the book of Acts, a very familiar passage of Scripture. Acts chapter 10. Amen. And I want to start reading at verse number 9. Acts chapter 10, reading at verse number 9. It reads like this. On the morrow, as they went on their journey, and drew nigh into the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry. Everybody say very hungry. You ever got very hungry? Praise God. Really, have you ever got real, real hungry? Amen. And he became very hungry and would, and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And saw heaven open, and a certain vessel descended unto him, as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners, and let down to earth, wherein were all manner, everybody say all manner, a four-footed beast of the earth, and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Never have. And the voice speaking to him again the second time what God hath cleansed call that call not thou common this was done thrice everybody say this was done thrice and the vessel was received up again into heaven would you lift your hands and pray God bless the messenger and the message tonight Glory be to God. Turn around and shake somebody's hand. Hallelujah. Great tonight being here in camp meeting 1984 to worship the Lord. I feel like God's got something in store. You can be seated. For all of those who seek after the goodness things of God. Somebody said, oh, Brother Willis, I've sought after a lot of things in my life. And I've been dissatisfied a lot of times. But I have never sought after God one time that I've been dissatisfied. Never have I ever went to God and walked away disappointed. I went to God and God's told me to wait a while. I went to God and God's told me to hold on a little bit. And 
mentioned before, this is it. We all know the story of what took place in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts. We Pentecostals left to go to the 10th chapter of the book of Acts and open up the word of God and preach about the time that Cornelius was praying and seeking the Lord. And we read time and time again that this man loved the Lord. He loved God. There was something about Cornelius' friend. When he got down to business with the Lord, he moved the heart of God. Amen. I feel like we need somebody today that can move the heart of God. Amen. We need to find somebody in our prayer room who will not get in there and make noise, but we need somebody that will get in there and pray. We need somebody that will get in there and seek out the face of God. Cornelius did not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but Cornelius had a prayer that touched the heart of God. And while he was down praying, you know the story, amen, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and told him, said, listen, man, you don't know since I'm praying much longer. Your prayer has already been heard. I want you to send to Joppa. And there's a man down there. Amen, he's dwelling in the house of Simon the tailor down by the seaside. And old Simon is going to let you know that there's a boy praying upstairs. And he's got a contact with God. I want to tell you, church, today, we need to understand. I believe there's been a contact already made in this service. Somebody's touched the Lord. The anointing of God has moved in this place. Amen. Before this thing's over tonight, we're going to realize that God has given us an opportunity that he never has given anybody else. Holy be to God. And so according to the word of the Lord, amen, he got his servants and said, listen, I want you to go down to Joppa. And there's a boy dwelling in the house of Simon the tenor by the seaside. And this fella is going to tell you something. I want you to bring him back here. I want you to tell him to come on back. Because I've got to hear what he's got to say. Amen. They sent the servants down. And old Peter was on the housetop. He was on bended knees and tears streaming down his face. He got so hungry praying. You know, that's just like a Pentecostal preacher. He cannot only preach until he thinks about what's going to happen when the service is all over. Amen. He thinks about that God of his. That's why a lot of us look like we do. Amen. But Peter was a prayer. And the Bible said he would have eaten. But you see, there was something took place in Peter's life. The Bible says that he fell into a trance. Something happened in Peter's life. Something took place in him. I thought lots of times I've seen kids sit in school. They look like they fell in a trance. I watched them in church. They look like they fell in a trance. Sister Willis and I, not too long after we were married, and then she got down beside the bed, and she was humbly calling on God, and she prayed, and she prayed, and she prayed, and she prayed. Ten o'clock came. Eleven o'clock came. Twelve o'clock came. And I thought, good Lord, she's falling into a trance. I've been over a little bit and put my ear down close by. I was listening for the hallelujahs. I was listening for the praise of the Lord. Perhaps quietly under her breath, she was speaking in an unknown tongue. But no, sir, not her. She was so said She had fell into a trance. She had went sound asleep. And then she was seeking God for a dream. No revelation for her. She wanted a dream that night. I feel like tonight, church, that this church needs to shake itself. If we're in a trance, get out of it. If we 
minute him begin to fill up, I wonder what this could be. And all of a sudden, friend, when he looked out, he saw something that he could not believe. There on that sheet were things that he could not touch. There on that sheet were things that tradition said leave alone. There on that sheet was all kinds of creeping things and fouls of the air. There was the old flat-nosed hog just gunting at him, looking him right in the face. And the Lord looked down to Peter, and the Lord said to Peter, he said, Peter, I want you to arise, and I want you to eat. Amen. God was showing him. Let me tell you something tonight, church. If God tells you, don't question God. Just get up and get with it. If God says run, don't wait. If God says pray, don't breathe. If God says move, get up and do it. Don't sit there. Let God take control. And old Peter just sat there. And the Lord said, Peter, get up. I want you to arise and eat. I thought today when I went to the store, I walked down through the aisle and I found the most beautiful vegetables, I mean fruits that I'd ever seen. There was a red watermelon. Hey man, they cut it open on the inside just as red as it could be. Grapes, the kind that I like. Hey man, and then pears and you name it. Strawberries, beautiful things. It would be a terrible thing for God to say to me, look here John, I want you to get up. I want you to pluck a grape. I want you to pick up an orange. I want you to grab a hold of that apple. And I want you to seek your teeth. Man, you're hungry. Don't walk away. I want you to do it. But instead of Peter listening to God, oh, Peter said, no, sir. I've never eaten anything common or anything unclean. Don't you realize that I'm a Jew? Don't you know that them things are wrong? Tradition tells me they are. I think it's about time tonight we listen to God and break tradition I was a boy. I love being a boy. Hey man, I'm glad I wasn't a girl. Sister Willis used to cry because she was a girl. She did. She wanted to play football so bad. Hey man, it wasn't because she wasn't built to. It was just, I mean, well, you know what I mean. She really wanted to play football. And she used to go to her bedroom and lock the door and cry because she wasn't a boy. I thank God she isn't a boy. I'd never married her. Hey, man, I'm glad God made her a woman. But anyhow, when I was a boy, we used to live on the farm. And we'd raise our own pigs and our own cows. And we'd have our own garden. We'd raise them mustard greens. And we'd get out in the woods and hunt that poke salad. And we'd get that frog lettuce and fill it with that hot grease. And cut them onions all up in it. You know what I mean. Go down and find a fresh spring and reach down. And grab them big old things of watercress. Bring it home and put it in that old sink. And we'd wash it down. I thought somebody was saying tonight about going out heating up the wash water. I've done that many a time when I was a boy. I used to cut the wood and put the old iron pot on the fire and we'd cook that old water hot. Mama get out there with a big stick and she'd poke that washing down in there. She'd take that old scrub bed and she'd scrub it up and down. Now Sister Willis has never done any of this in her life. She's lived always with us five rooms and a bath and we had four rooms and a bath. But I want to tell you one thing right now. I'm not going to disown my heritage. I thank God because it makes me appreciate it. Amen. On them cold winter mornings when I 
we'd take them and we'd hang them on the single tree. We'd gut them out. He'd take them and fix them down. We'd get us some burlap sacks. We'd put the old iron kettle on. We'd heat up the water with the firewood. We'd dump it on them old burlap sacks. We'd take them old knives and scrape that hog down real good. And then I imagine Peter lots of times had passed by a Gentile's house and had smelt the bacon fried. He'd probably smelled the pork chops. He'd smelled the pork roast. But something said, you can't eat that. You leave that alone. And the Lord says you can't have it. But here in the vision, God said to Peter, Peter, get up. You can have it now. Everything's all right. And old Peter's tradition rose up inside of him. And he said, no, no, not me. I know it's you, God, but not me. And the Lord looked at Peter again. And he said, Peter, get up from there. I want you to arise and to eat. And Peter said, no. Not me. Man, oh man. They'd throw me clear out of the synagogue. If they saw pork chop slivers in my teeth, man, I couldn't stand to be around here. If they saw grease dripping off my fingers, man, they know what pork smells like. God, I can't do that. That old Joel Bacon, we cut them old hogs up. We had a cellar. We'd take them big old slabs of sow belly, we call it, down in that basement and saw them down. Hey, man, and then in the cold winter time, we'd get down there and Mama cut a big old slab of sow belly. She'd chunk it up and throw it in a pot of beans. Hey, man, and cook a big old pound of cornbread. And I like that. I imagine old Peter had probably walked by some Gentile's house and he had saw them in there. He saw them dip them beans out with that pork in it. And man, he licked his sauce. But then he remembered what tradition said. You can't touch it. Leave it alone. I want to tell you one thing right now. God's got so much stuff for us today and tradition says you can't have it. It's about time we break tradition. Amen. It's about time we listen to God. It's about time. If God says it's ours, but he's not ready to get up and get it. Get up off your lazy self and let God bless your soul. Peter said, I can't do it. Not me. Amen. Tradition says I can't have it. But the Lord said, don't call anything common and unclean that I've cleansed. And I give him a third chance. That's what I like about this camping. We got a third chance tonight. This is the last night. Glory be to God. Wouldn't it be a shame if you was a fruit lover and this was the kind of grapes that you liked. And God said, come on. Get up there and get you a grape. Hey man, I thought about the pictures of old Cleopatra laying flat of her back and holding them grapes up and nibbling them on them. Hey man, and you fruit lovers, you say, man, I'd love to have one of them grapes. And you get so close to it that you could see them real good. And all of a sudden, somebody says, huh? We don't eat grapes around here. That's one of our traditions. They have taught us that down through the years. Hey man, I went to some people's house several years ago, and one of the girls came downstairs, and she didn't have any shoes on. She tiptoed into the living room where we were. All of a sudden, her mother got real embarrassed, and she said, Good Lord, honey, get upstairs and put your shoes on. Don't you realize that your feet are the most attractive part of your body? Don't you realize that? And I thought, good Lord, where did she hear that at? But that was a tradition that was handed down. I feel like tonight, church, that we need to break out of our tradition. Somebody said, oh, we just shut on 
said, Peter, come on, man. I've got the table set. I've got it set. I want you to reach up there and get what you want. But tradition said, no. Peter, you can't do that. You don't like that. Well, I ain't going to say I don't like it. I smelt it a few times and I liked it. When was boys, we didn't have much money. We'd go to school without peanut butter. And then boys would come to school with that bologna. That's where I learned to bargain at. Trade your peanut butter for half a bologna. I used to always say, what kind of pie you got there? Oh, that's pistachio. I ain't never had none of that before. Boy, it'd sure be good, wouldn't it? And they said, would you like to try some? Oh, no, what made you think that? If you let me, I'll just lick the plate. Praise God. We didn't have all that fancy stuff. God's got a table set here, church. Young people, let me tell you something. We're living so far below our privileges as apostolic people in order to shake us. To realize the Bible said he's able to give us exceedingly abundantly above that which we're able to ask or think. I'm not trying to get you to fantasize tonight. I'm trying to get you to get you in a true world. To realize that the God you serve is not a helpless handicapped God. He's a God that sees and supplies. He's a God that makes praise. He was trying to argue with Peter. Peter, come on and eat. Listen, don't argue with God. If God says to it, praise God, just get up into it. sneak around the kitchen. We had an old cupboard. We always had to eat in the back room. Kids, you know, had to eat in the back room. We were to be seen and not heard. I think Dad wanted us not seen and not heard. Either one. He put us in the back room. And when everybody else got done, we got the scraps. That's the truth. I don't know how many preacher's houses I've been to in the past years. The kids get to chicken breast and you get what's left of the crummy wings still got chicken hair on them sticking out like that we'd sneak around in the living room and we'd crawl into the pantry that pantry was a multi-purpose room in the winter time we kept a little white bucket in there but we'd crawl around in that multi-purpose room and we'd sneak in under the kitchen table and we like to go like this it was okay until you hit the mashed potatoes. Praise God. Oh, Peter, he said, man, I've never tasted pork chops before. I'd love to have some pork chops. I saw that old boy eating pork chops the other day, and he licked his lips. <clears throat> man, I saw that sister shouting. I'd like to try that. I've been practicing, but tradition says don't shout. but tradition says you've got to worship God piously. We'd sneak around that table. We did this too. We'd, never mind. We'd sneak around that table and we'd get us something. And just about the time we got out, our ears must have stuck out three feet because Mom always grabbed them. She'd say, put that back. 
You know company hadn't ate yet. Oh, Mom, put it back. We'd reluctantly put it one time I fooled her. I said, you want me to put this back? She said, yeah. I said, okay. Just took it right back. Like old boy I work with, he wrote a little note, put under his coffee cup. He said, don't drink this coffee. I spit in it. One of the other boys worked there and wrote a little note on the bottom and said, I did too. Amen. And the Lord said to Peter, He said, Peter, come on. This is the third time. You know, I never read in the Word of God anywhere else where God gave a man three chances. Never. trying to teach him a lesson that he had given this gospel for the Gentiles to. I know that. And I'm not trying to take this out of context, but God was letting Peter know, listen, Peter, I can change things that you never thought could be changed. And I can do things that you never thought ever could be done. Amen. I can change people, amen, that you never thought would be changed. I guarantee you there's people with the school with J.L. Pippin that have not seen him since he got the Holy Ghost. And they would not believe because all can remember is the old T.L. Pitcat. I want to tell you something, folks. I met a guy the other day that I went to school with, and he hadn't seen me since I started preaching the gospel. Pastor Union, and then when I walked in that school, hey man, they called me up, and they said, uh, John, what are you doing now? I said, I'm pastoring a church, and I got to that 20-year class reunion, and the president of the class got up there, and she said, I cannot believe this. Out of all the graduates of our high school, amen, the least I'd have picked to be a preacher was John Willis. But so help me, God done something for him. And I got to stand in front of my entire class and begin to tell him about God. Amen, but God done something for me. And people want to tell you something. The world says don't do it. But God says, come on, make tonight tonight. Let this be Holy Ghost night. Let God fill you with the power. You can have it if you want it. Now he said, Peter, this is the third time, boy. Come on now. I want you to get up and eat. Mm -mm. No, sir. It's like a lot of us. That's like a lot of us. I remember Lord Dunnigan telling one time, he said he was playing his guitar at his home church in Martinsville, Indiana. Said he's sitting there on the platform playing that guitar. And the Lord spoke to him. He said the service was dead as a hammer. And said he sit down there and grab that old guitar and was strumming along. And God said, Lord, put down the guitar, go out in front of the Bible stand, and I want you to shout. He said, mm-mm, not me. And the Lord said, Lord, put down the guitar, get out in front of the Bible stand and shout. So he said, the Lord was so impressive. He said, it spoke to me so loud. I laid that old Martin guitar down. He said, I walked down the steps. I got right in front of the Bible stand, and my pastor was a preaching. And he said, I went. He said, I felt like a fool. He said, my face got red. He said, I hung my head. I dropped my shoulders. 
I walked back up and picked up the old Mark guitar and I wouldn't look at nobody and said I just picked away and God said Lord do it again <laughs> he said oh no I don't want to and he said God told me he said do it again so he said I will what it didn't made a fool out of myself once might as well do it again. he said I laid the old Martin down he said I got down from the Bible stand and I thought well this time I'm going to do it a little better so he said I got a little happier he said and I looked around there but I was going so the pastor was looking at the Bible stand going he said I walked lower back up sit down picked up the Martin guitar again tradition was saying you fool you have disrupted the entire service he said, man, I was feeling low. I felt like I could sit on a cigarette paper and my feet would hang over. He said, I was feeling low. But all of a sudden, he said, God said, Lord, go shout one more time. He said, oh, God. Have you ever wrestled with the Lord? Have you ever done that? And Brother Dunnigan said, I sit there for a while. And God said, Lord, I said, go get with it. He said, I'll tell you one thing I had to do. He said, I had to outshout doubt. He said, I put down the old Martin the last time. He said, this time I wasn't worried who was watching me. And I thought, God, if you said it, I'm going to do it. He said, I just stood up bold and stuck my chest out. He said, I just hurried my steps up and got down in front of that platform. And he said, friend, I got with it. He said, I kicked, I bucked, I stalked, I drunk. Hardhead. Get up, meat. If you were starving, the Bible said he was hungry. I mean, he was hungry. Amen. We used to have some good tricks when we were kids. We'd come in and we'd do all kinds of things. We'd get so thirsty. Like one time, we even took some toilet paper and wiped our tongue dry. Walked in, stuck our dry tongue out, and said, we got to have a Pepsi, Mom. Can you see? Look, my tongue's cracking. We tried everything. Think about it, it worked. Hey, Amen. We used to get sick, and as soon as the school bus left, we got healed. The Lord said to him again, Come on, Peter. Eat a pork chop. Yeah. And all of a sudden, all saliva in Peter's mouth was running. Have you ever got so hungry? You just... I was eating ice cream cone one day, sitting in my car. I turned my head and this little boy sat on the corner. Never lick I'd take, he'd go. 
like rolling that with it. Said, good Lord, take it, son. Three times, God tried to get Peter to eat. Three times. Listen, I know two times already in this camp meeting, God's wanted to give you the Holy Ghost. I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. I know God wants you to have the Holy Ghost more than he does the next breath you got. I know that. And let me tell you something. The table is set, friend, with things that make your mouth water. I've seen the time I'd give everything I own to have a piece of watermelon on a hot July day. That's the truth. Would you give me your pocket knife for a sip of this Pepsi? So not only will I give it to you, I'll sharpen it. Praise God, there's some... And friend, it just gets a hold of you. Peter was so hungry. But even though he was hungry and God himself was telling him to eat, tradition took over in the heart of Peter. And Peter could not break tradition. That's where we are tonight. A lot of us have come to the place that we just can't break out of our shell. You young people, let me tell you something. It ain't going to hurt you to pick up your heels. You say, but the world won't think I'm cool. Who cares what the world thinks? What you need to do is break out of it. What you need to do is get with it. If I was a young person in this building tonight, you know what I'd do? If I felt God move on me, I'd stand up and move. I didn't care who thought about me. I'd run around this building. I'd get some God what I needed. Why? Because God's called to you as a master for a time. And he said, Sister Carson quite a bit. And if Sister Carson gets supper ready and she calls, friend, if you don't come, she'll have to pack it all off the table and put it up. That's the truth. And she'll get upset. Don't tell her I said this. But she'll get upset. She's coming there and Brother Carson, I've been sitting in the living room looking, doing something and She'll come in there and she'll stomp her foot and flash her eyes. And said, if you don't come and get it all, let's throw out. And she means it too. Praise God, I beat her to the table. She means it. If Sister Carson had been God, old Peter had got one chance and he'd been out of luck. That's a God's other truth. And the Lord said, now the third time. The third time. I want you to notice this. The third time God spoke to Peter, Peter just said, No, I'm not going to do it. The Lord was saying, Peter, you can sample everything. Look, Peter, you can have that rattlesnake right there. Skin him out. Hey, you can eat that tarantula if you want it. Skin it out. Peter, you want that snail crawling right there? Help yourself. I never could understand how people eat raw oysters. I love oysters, but so help me. I don't want something that goes down without me swallowing it. I don't. Friend, I want to put some effort. Because it might be my swallow. I don't want that. I never could eat a raw egg either. He'd say, try it, try it. My uncle would take one. Crack a little hole in the end of the shell, another one, he'd go, that thing would be gone, huh, friend? I want something I can reverse if I don't want it in there. Praise God. 
evil, Peter. Anything on that sheet, anything I've got there, you name it, buddy, and it's yours. You just lay your hand on it. That's the way the promises of God are to be. You hear me? All you gotta do is lay your hand on it. That's all you gotta do. If it's healing, lay your hand on it. Praise God, you hear me? If it's salvation, lay your hand on it. If it's a knee, lay your hand on it. This is God saying, I'm asking you, come on, you can have it all. All God wanted Peter to do was make an effort and move toward that sheet, but he wouldn't get close to it. Mm-mm. By the time it all hauled grunted, he jumped a couple steps. That's pretty good when you're doing the trance. Hey, man, he just jumped back. God said, all right, this is your last chance, Peter. I don't know whether you young people realize this or not, but one of these nights it's going to be a last altar call. One of these nights the table's going to be spread for the final time. One of these nights there's going to be one final song. One of these nights, there's just going to be one more chance to bow me. You say, when will that happen? I want to tell you something. You never know. I was preaching not too far from here in Jonesboro, Arkansas, several years ago. During the course of that revival, I give an altar call. I saw sitting on the back seat of the church on the left-hand side of the sanctuary, there was a young man about 19 years old. And I felt the Spirit of the Lord moved greatly that night on that boy. And I spent the latter part of that altar call begging with him to serve God. Friend, I felt so definite that that boy needed to get out of that seat and get to that altar. Why? Because, listen, friend, amen, God's not going to leave the table spread all the time. He's not going to do it. Somebody said, well, I can come and get some leftovers. When this church leaves here, there'll be no leftovers. You hear me? Amen. You've got to get it on the main course or you're going to miss it all. You've got to get what's on the table or you're not going to get anything. And that boy said, listen, he sat there and shook his head. And I said, son, come on. I don't very often do this in that ministry. But I pointed to him and I said, young man, you need to come tonight. Tears were moving down my cheeks. I said, you need the Lord. You need God. He sat there and shook his head. I left Conway. I rather left Jonesboro, Arkansas. And I pulled my trailer and headed up north. And friend, I got a call just a couple of nights later, rather one week from that night. And the pastor had called said, Brother Willis, you remember the boy that sat on the back seat on the left-hand side? And I said, yes, sir, I do. He said, Friday night he was killed in a tragic accident. Friday night he lost his life. I wonder if old Peter was sitting there. And God said, come on, Peter, this is your last call. Get out from there and come on and eat. What if this was the last night that you could have the Holy Ghost? What if this was the last night that God counted his source? What if this was the last night that God said this is going to be the final camp meeting before I come? What would you do? Would you let tradition argue you out of getting out of your seat and saying, no, sir, Brother Willis, I will not pray. Not tonight. My mother's here. My dad's here. My boyfriend's here. I can't do it tonight. No. Peter said to God, after the Lord had said to him thrice, come on, Peter. <laughs> Arise. Kill and eat. Glory. You know, there's a, there's a parallel here. If you're ever going to live for God, you're going to have to arise 
And you're going to have to kill your pride. And then you're going to have to eat of the sacrificial lamb of God. Peter! Get up! Peter said, no. I'm not going to do that. Listen, friend, tradition is in you heavy when you won't even listen to the voice of God. That's when it's dangerous. And the Bible said in verse number 16, and this was done thrice, and God walked away and left the table set. So when Peter wanted to come and get it, he could get it. No, sir. The Bible said God just pulled the cord and the thing just went back up into heaven. I feel like he's getting ready to pull the cord. Mm. Listen, friend, he put down his landing gear on the day of Pentecost almost 2,000 years ago. But I feel like this thing's ready to break runway. Have you ever went to the airport and watched that big old 747 take off? Have you ever flew on a commercial flight and felt it? No sooner than that plane clears the runway that you hear something going through. And that old plane will shudder. That old pilot, he's retracted his gear. They know, take it right back down. When you're off of that runway, honey, you're off. When this church leaves here, listen, friend, there'll be nothing on the table. Somebody said, oh, I'll be a beheaded witness. Let me tell you something. If you ain't going to give your heart to him, you sure won't give your head to him. Peter said, listen, not me. And all of a sudden, God took all of this and he just lifted it up away from the grasp of Peter. We've enjoyed two and almost nine gifts nights of camp meeting. Days filled with men talking about God. But listen, I believe the thrice call is soon to be given. And once it's taken, there'll never be this night repeated in history again. Never. It'll never be done. As the musicians come tonight, I want to close. Several years ago in our home church, there was a young man who came and God dealt with his heart. He was as handsome a young man as you'd ever want to see. His physique was built as many a boys would have loved to be built. Personality, he had personality plus. But he let his heart get hard. He turned his back on God. I saw him walk out of the church. He didn't walk, he ran. He slammed the door. saw preachers preach to his soul and they couldn't touch him. The Holy Ghost would move and Bob would not be moved. The last time 
Bob was in service, the Lord was saying, come on, Bob. You just pick it out, buddy. Whatever you want from me, you just pick it out. Smell it, Bob. Don't the Holy Ghost smell good? Bob said, no. He said, I rejected God. And God just pulled it away. A few days later, I was in Zeno, Ohio, and we got an emergency call from some hysterical parents. And they said, please, good God, preacher, please. Come to the hospital. Bob's dying. I remember loading up with the pastor and we headed to the hospital and there he laid in critical condition in Wright-Patterson Air Force Base Hospital. His sister came into the garage in the mid-afternoon and there was Bob kneeling over an old antiquated trunk. He was digging in his dad's memorabilia of the old police days where his father used to work as a policeman. And down in the bottom of that box of that memorabilia was a 38 snub-nosed police detective special coat revolver. Bob picked out a gun up. And there was a box of old ammunition. He loaded every chamber, every cylinder. He turned the gun to his breast and just as his sister walked in, she saw him cock the hammer and she said to him, Bob, what are you doing? Bob, don't do that! And all she remembered was the loud bill of that gun. Bob falling to the garage floor, shaking and trembling and blood gushing from his chest. God didn't leave anything on the table for Bob. For days he laid between life and death. One eighth of an inch that bullet had missed his heart. The doctor said it's a wonder he has not died. For months and weeks we prayed and prayed and prayed and Bob began to recover. He came out of that hospital. They took him to his home. But still he didn't go to the table. The last I heard of Bob, he was studying to be a Roman Catholic priest. God lifted up the sheet. I'd hate to think to that young person I came to this camp meeting needed the Holy Ghost. And three times in this camp meeting every night, God called to me and said, come on and let me give you the Holy Ghost. Come on. And I'd hate to think that two times I turned him down, but I'd sure hate to think that tonight I'd already made my mind up that I wasn't going to let God fill me with the Holy Ghost. 
because the next time you come to church if there is a next time what God has offered you could be completely gone listen I want you tonight if you need the Holy Ghost in this building I want you to lift your hand right now here's one somebody else. come on lift them high you say brother listen I don't always have time to pray. No, you won't. No, you won't. There was a family just right up the river from us in Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Their mother and father came to church. They went and they were baptized in Jesus' name in an apostolic church just right up the river from us about 40 miles. The boys sit there and they rejected God and rejected God and that night during revival they didn't want anything to do with God. But about three o'clock in the middle of the night, there was four of that family of seven that escaped that burning house. And three of those that did not escape were young people, young teenagers, 11, 13, 14. They could not get out. That revival service was their last one. Come on, Peter. Would you get up and eat? And the Bible said, He'd done this thrice. How many times have you turned God away? Would you lift your hands and close your eyes and say, God, talk to somebody. Talk to somebody. Talk to somebody, God. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want all of you that don't have the Holy Ghost, I want you to stand right now, would you? Would you be brave enough to stand? Anybody else in here that doesn't have the Holy Ghost? Come on, would you stand? If you'd be willing for somebody to walk up to you, and come down to this altar with you to pray for the Holy Ghost. I want you to step out in the aisle right now. If you want the Holy Ghost, come on. Step out in the aisle. Come on. I want somebody to come up with these young people right now. Listen, folks. This is the last night of camp meeting. You young people that want the Holy Ghost, I want you to throw your hands in the air. And I want you to call on God and say, God, this might be the third time, but I'm going to listen tonight. I'm going to get the Holy Ghost tonight. <laughs>